Dear brothers and sisters, it happened 18 years ago on a winter's afternoon on a Saturday, 18 years ago, and the memory is so very vivid. I wandered into the athletic facility of Mount St. Mary's College on that day and was absolutely amazed, startled, shocked, struck by a gym full of teenagers from all over the northeastern part of the country, and they were standing around the Blessed Sacrament praising the Lord in song. The Lord was present in a monstrance on an elevated platform that was decorated with numerous candles, numerous candles like our sanctuary candles, so there were big candles. And that platform with the Blessed Sacrament on it, with the candles, was euphemistically called the burning bush. And as they were dancing around the Lord, they were singing with gusto, we want to see Jesus lifted high, a banner that flies across this land, that all men might see the truth and know he is the way to heaven. And that was my first experience of Mount 2000, a spiritual weekend retreat for those in high school as well as for young adults, which the seminarians put on every year. And its focus was, quite naturally, Jesus, and particularly Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. The Eucharist is the sign of the Lord's presence with us, and it is the sign which embodies his death and resurrection. This is the sign which the crowd of teenagers and young adults wanted lifted high. And my friends, today's readings are about signs. Our passage from the book of Exodus gives the familiar text of the Ten Commandments. They summarize God's covenant with Israel. And they point out the conditions, they point out the conditions the commandments do, of a life freed from the slavery of sin. Because they belonged to God's revelation of himself and his glory, the Israelites kept the Ten Commandments, which were written on two tablets of stone, inside the Ark of the Covenant, as a sign of God's presence with the chosen people. The essence of the covenant the essence of the covenant which God made with Israel at Sinai is God's love for his people and their response. Indeed, the first commandment recalls God's love for Israel, which was manifested in a most special way. I, the Lord, am your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that place of slavery. The Exodus was God's tremendous sign of his love for Israel. And for this reason, the Jews praised God for the exodus again and again in the Psalms. As party to the covenant, Israel was called to love God in return. Jesus would summarize this love when he specified the greatest commandments of the law. The first, Jesus said, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second, Jesus said, is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. 
The event recounted in today's gospel takes place in another sign of God's presence, the temple in Jerusalem. When King Solomon dedicated the temple in about the year 950 B.C., God's glory, signified by a mysterious cloud, filled the dwelling. As long as the temple existed, Israel believed that God was with them. And that is why the temple's destruction in 586 B.C. was such a tremendous shock. It was a sign that God had abandoned them. And yet the subsequent, subsequent return from exile and the reconstruction of the temple were understood as a divine initiative. The construction of what would be called the second temple in 516 B.C. was this a sign of hope. Of hope. And centuries later, King Herod the Great enlarged the temple with magnificent splendor. That was the temple. The temple that Herod enlarged in which Jesus drove out the money changers and those selling animals for sacrifice. Take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. Jesus was angry, angry at the abuses which the chief priests and elders were permitting. It was the time of Passover when every Israelite had to sacrifice an ox or a sheep if he was wealthy or two doves or two pigeons if he was not. Additionally, each year all adults over the age of 20 had to pay a half-shekel tax equal to a day's pay using a special coin. In times past, the animals were kept in pens across the Kidron Valley from the Temple Mount. However, in Jesus' day, the religious authorities had made an agreement with merchants to allow their stalls in the Temple precincts not only for the convenience of worshipers, but to enrich the leaders. Imagine the chaotic scene as Jesus came to the temple. In the outer courtyard, there was such a noise. People shouting, pushing one another to get to the stalls and exchange tables. And manure from the animals. It was a mess. It was a mess. So in calling God my Father and acting so dramatically in the temple, Jesus is proclaiming himself to be the Messiah. The rulers recognized this right away. And so they asked him for a sign. What sign, they said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? In other words, show us a sign that you really are the Messiah. And the Lord does so. The Lord does so. He announces the sign. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The sign he gave, as St. John makes clear, would be his death and resurrection. They would destroy the temple of his body, and he would raise it up. Once again, Jesus affirms, like we heard last Sunday, once again, Jesus affirms that the Messiah is the Messiah of the cross. Christ speaks these words in the temple. He fulfills the prophecy of Holy Simeon spoken more than 30 years earlier to the Virgin Mary. Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be contradicted so that the thoughts of many hearts 
may be revealed. The sign of contradiction is the Messiah of the cross. St. Paul affirms this in today's passage from his first letter to the Corinthians. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. In other words, the apostle is saying that the reality of Christ crucified catches people, both Jews and Greeks, in their own worldly way of thinking. And yet Paul goes on to say, but to those who are called, Jews and Greeks alike, to those who accept and believe in the Messiah of the cross, then Christ, he says, is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And so we too, my friends, all of us, must ask ourselves this question. Do I accept, do I accept the Messiah of the cross? Is the cross of Christ my personal sign? Do I try to live its demands? They are summed up in the very words Christ spoke in the Garden of Gethsemane as he entered into his passion. Father, not what I will, but what you will. These must be the words of Christ's disciples, all of us. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Are these the words which guide my life? These are the words of total surrender and of love. These are words which will bring joy to my heart. What is a better activity in life than to do the will of God? What is a better activity of life than to do the will of God? For it is only by doing the will of God that we can truly say that we love him. That is why Jesus affirmed in his preaching on another occasion, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. It is the shadow of the cross, in the shadow of the cross, that the thoughts of our hearts, mine and yours, are revealed. And so we come back to that captivating scene years and years ago in the gymnasium at Mount St. Mary's College. We must be like those dear young people. Yes, Lent is a season for us to renew our youth. It's optimism. It's idealism. It's enthusiasm. In short, the vibrant energy of love. Let us come before the Lord in the tabernacle again and again and say, as they did, we want to see Jesus lifted high, a banner that flies across this land, that all men might see the truth and know he is the way to heaven. Jesus lifted high on the cross is the way to heaven, the only way, and may he ever be our way. Amen.